0: The weather's starting to heat up, and that can only mean great baseball. And here's the next edition of Baseball Talk Radio Show with Gary and Rich. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of the Baseball Talk Radio Show, where we're talking all about our favorite sport. And I'm betting, since you're listening to the show, it's probably yours as well. My name is Rich.
1: And I'm Gary. And, Rich, uh, like you said in the opening there, it is, the weather is heating up, and that means good baseball. Baseball is going to be flying out of the ballparks, some more than others, but uh, may turn out to be a home run derby soon.
0: Yeah, the Midwest is heating up, uh, 95-ish, all through Chicago, uh, Cleveland, St. Louis. Uh, It's heading to the East Coast. We should see it by the end of the weekend, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I think we're supposed to get all that. But, yeah, the hot summer is starting to move in here. And like you said, Gary, those balls are going to be flying out of the stadium. Yeah, especially in
1: the small ballparks like uh, uh, in Philly and in Cincinnati and that new ballpark in Atlanta, too, the ball carries pretty well. So we'll have to see. And uh, I got to look good. The Mets played in Texas and that Globe Life Park. Boy, that ball flies out of that place, too. So if it gets uh, hot down in Texas, it, it, <laughs> I don't see how it could fly out anymore. You're going to have to wear a hard
0: helmet in the outfield. A little heat and humidity always affects a baseball. Makes it pretty interesting. Uh... Well, around the world of baseball as well, it was pretty interesting last week, Gary. Um, some controversy crept into the game. Now, isn't that something? That never happens. something <laughs> never happens. You never hear about any controversy. And it was two announcers that actually got uh, in the uh, spotlight this past week uh, over in the Philadelphia area. It was Mike Schmidt who now announces on the weekends only for uh, Comcast Sportsnet in Philadelphia. He was on a radio show uh, being interviewed via telephone and the host had asked him about Obadel Herrera and whether or not he felt that the Phillies should try to build a team around a player like Obadel Herrera. And his response was, uh, something along the lines that he couldn't understand English. His his communication skills were lacking. So therefore, he didn't think that it would be a good idea to build a team around somebody like that. And he gave a few examples of, you know, if he's flipping the bat, you can't really go up to him and tell him, hey, you know, Obadell, could you stop flipping the bat? You know, something as simple as that. But mm-hmm. he also, he went on to give him a lot of compliments as well. And um, after he said a couple sentences, and he didn't disrespect Spanish people or Hispanic players in any respect, he just cited the language barrier as being an obstacle on why he would not want to build a team around such a player. So, I mean... Maybe not the greatest of answers. I probably would have said due to his inconsistency, he's not the type of player that you would build a team around. And that's that's pretty obvious just looking at the stats and things. Now in the past week he did pick it up. I think he's had nine RBIs since June third. So in six days he's cranked out nine RBIs. In all of May, he only had five in 27 games. But all that aside. Uh, a media fury erupted on Mike Schmidt after these comments. And I'm talking the big hitters in baseball, the writers, uh, the Ken Rosenthal's, the uh, Keith Law's, the on and on and on. You could name about six or eight of them. And they just jumped on the bandwagon, practically calling Mike Schmidt a racist. And I I didn't hear the comments right off the bat, but I had to uh, later on. During the week, I listened to the whole show, the whole interview, and I just couldn't believe that these well-seasoned writers would jump on a bandwagon and accuse a Hall of Fame player of being a racist, practically. And not only that, they're spreading their comments and views around the country. I don't know if you got a chance to hear much of this in the New York area, Gary, but I I was curious to hear what you heard on the situation.
1: Well, well, I only saw a little uh, blurb about it, but uh, I, I think what you're saying, Rich, is it's another example of this political correctness going crazy in this country. That uh, you know, Mike Schmidt brings up a good point. Language is it does make it is a barrier to somebody becoming a leader on the team, unless you've got you know uh, 25 guys or 23 guys that speak Spanish. It becomes an obstacle, and and I think he was just pointing that out, not meaning it in, in any derogatory term. But it's 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 a fact. A leader of a team. Um, look, the Mets had this back in two, six, 2006 and seven when they were, uh, you know, when they had those big collapses in, in seven and eight, actually, and uh, people would say, you know. David Wright's the only one that talks to us, and none of the Latin players would come out. Well, that's why he got made captain. He got made captain of the New York Mets because he was the one that had to go face the press all the time. He was the, the guy that, that tried to rally that team and tried to rally the teammates. The other guys, you know, great ball players, but the language skills prevents them from doing a lot of things. And in certain areas, it's you know it's different in different areas of the country. Um, you know, in in Texas or something like that, perhaps it's not as big as a problem because of the large the the, the closeness to Mexico and and the uh, you know it probably like the Texas Rangers probably get a large Mexican audience. Uh, I, I don't know if if their television. Uh, broadcast rights go into Mexico LA we know uh, you know when Valenzuela was there the the Mexican uh, response and attendance was off the chart so we know that they have uh, a large Mexican following as well so there it may be a little different but uh, you know it's to me it's much ado about nothing it's just a just something for these writers to get their teeth into and write about and attack. We alo- We love to build up people in this country, and we love to tear them down.
0: Yeah, and it wasn't uh, a situation in Schmidt's respect that I think he displayed any sort of uh, racism at all. It was just an honest answer to a question. Would you build a team around a player like Herrera, and why not? If if so, uh, maybe his answer wasn't quite right. I, I took to Twitter a few times and and tweeted out myself. You know, I wouldn't build around him because he's inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Been inconsistent. Uh, and Schmidt further went on during the interview to say, you know, you build a team around a guy like a Mike Trout, a franchise player, not necessarily an American, but a franchise player is right. The team around you want to get that player in place and then build the team around him so a lot of mischoiced words maybe and when you're talking like we're talking on the podcast but we have the uh the courtesy and power to edit anything we might not want to release over the podcast but on a radio interview it's live it's a one take thing and you're you're live you whatever you say is going over the airwaves and you basically can't retract it or edit it. Right. Jerry Remy as well, uh, an announcer for the Boston Red Sox got in a little hot water as uh, there was comments during the game, which he made that he said that he didn't think that an interpreter should be allowed to go out to the mound. And he thought that it should be illegal you know, by rules to not allow an interpreter to go out on the mound, to have the manager speak through an interpreter and then talk with the player. I, I guess there's um, only so much you can do if a guy comes from Japan or uh, even uh, somewhere down in the uh, Caribbean. You, sometimes you cannot communicate with them. So what is, what is a manager or a pitching coach supposed to do? Uh, I can almost see the allowance of an interpreter on the mound. I don't really agree with uh, Jerry Remy's comments on that, but he's entitled to his own opinion, and that was not a racist comment at all. It just was his interpretation of the rules, and why should you have an extra guy out there to interpret to a player? and happen to be an opposite team, of course. Oh,
1: well, uh, that's a tough one. I, I kind of agree with them in a way. I mean, if you know you're going to come to this country and pitch, uh, especially in Japan, you would think that they would try to learn English. Um, I know certain teams, and I believe the Mets are one of them, that actually have, you know, like uh, they make their, their, their minor league players that come from Latin countries or whatever, because the, the majority of us are from Latin countries and Spanish-speaking, um, they have classes for them in English to, to, so they can communicate, so they can talk to the press because it's so important in in a city like New York, and, and, you know, actually the hope of every minor league is to make it to the major league team. So I can get where Jerry Remy's coming from. Uh, I know it's it's in vogue now. We have it here. I used. To, I gotta tell you, I love Bartolo Colon, but it would annoy, and you know, and Cespedes too, for that matter. It would annoy me that uh, when they got interviewed after the game. Now I can't say it annoyed me completely because she wasn't bad looking, but they had a female uh, translator The Mets had for for these guys, and I don't know if she's still there because Cespedes has been hurt, so we haven't seen much of him. Um, but uh, you know, and I, and I want like a guy like Colon. He's forty something years old. He's been pitching in America for 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 twenty something years. You see him in the dugout talking to t. Te- he's talking to Noah, Noah Syndergaard without a translator. So how how is he able, if he can't speak the language? How can he talk to Noah Syndergaard and have Noah Syndergaard understand him? I see is talking to to other players. I, I don't. I think they they hide behind the fact because they don't either they won't want to say something that you know out of context or, or something wrong because they don't understand the language which is a possibility um, or they just don't want to talk to the press and this is their way of getting around it by talking in Spanish I, I don't know I don't know what what the answer is there but um, it's. I guess it's just a different world, and we're, we're dinosaurs, and and uh, it's it's all changing.
0: Well, I'm glad you brought up that comment about we're dinosaurs, quote unquote, because you know I did read some thirty somethings that were writing in reference to Schmidt, and there was one particular gentleman that writes for a Delaware County newspaper, um, and I actually you know. I tweeted out, you know, this is, this is an example of a hack, you know, because his statement was Schmidt no longer understands the modern game. And I, I just shook my head, like, modern game, this game hasn't changed much in many, many, many years. The little nuances of the game have, but the basic premises of the game have not. Uh, he was talking to Keith Law back and forth, by the way, and I guess they know one another because Keith Law is from Delaware. But he also buried Schmidt. And you've got big writers that are national, uh, like Rosenthal, and they jump on a bandwagon and all of a sudden accuse somebody of racism. And they have a big, wide net of, of readers. They have a big, wide net of, of people that follow them every day. And you know what? I don't follow them at all, I don't trust them. This is just another example to me how they jump on bandwagons and just lump people over the head for no reason. And it's like they're sitting up on a mountain next to God and they're they're gonna hit somebody over the head with his his little spear or whatever. You know, I mean you're
1: you're right. And and somebody ought to remind Ken Rosenthal how many times he's wrong during the winter meetings. Yeah, and the uh, trades that he says are going to happen and nothing happens.
0: So, and he's um, not perfect either. I, I, just that's another great example of he's not perfect. It, he makes it seem like he's the most perfect guy on this world, and I guarantee you he's not.
1: But you know, the sports writers always seem to sit in judgment of everybody. I mean, you know, uh <laughs> it's funny because they'll 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 vote. They won't vote for Pete Rose. All right. He's not in baseball. You know, he's not allowed to by the rules. Technically, they could vote for Pete Rose for the Hall of Fame, but um, because he gambled. Meantime, half of them are out at the bar getting drunk. Or years ago, they used to be. Maybe I shouldn't say that these guys nowadays, because I don't think it goes on as much as it used to. But those guys used to be at the bars drinking into low-hours at night with some of the players and the managers and never wrote a word about it. So, you know, it, it's um, – I don't know. It is a whole brave new world, and, and I, I don't think Mike Schmidt is lost t- – maybe he doesn't understand the new, the modern players of the game. I don't think we or any of us understand the modern players of the game because – well, I'm not going to go there, um, <laughs> but – but, you know, the name Snowflake, uh, this word Snowflake comes out uh, uh, in my thoughts. But, um, you know, it, it's it's come on. You, you play in a game, and this is the biggest stage in the world. So, you know, for God's sakes, see, my argument is, this too, for the money that you make, you can't go out and hire a teacher in the winter to teach you some English. Because yeah, it would help you quite yeah, a bit. Sure, because in, in any market, you can do local commercials and make money. I mean, you know, in a does a radio commercial in English, and, you know, he's probably doing it phonetically, but, you know, he's probably getting a car out of the deal for the season.
0: Yeah, and like you said earlier, um, the modern game, and that was the exact wording. This younger writer, I don't know how old he is, he might be 25, 30, maybe even 35, by the way, he looks on his Twitter uh, account. But he did see my comment calling his comments hacks, and he did respond to me and he says, Well, Nobody reads your blog and nobody listens to your podcast. Like you thought, I, I was going to get upset at that. You know, I, <laughs> that's how they respond to you. They don't have something, you know, legitimate to say. They want to attack you. So yeah, it's a it's a nasty world now,
1: and and it's attacked. So uh, uh, nobody reads
0: his stuff either. So there, that's right. And furthermore, about this gentleman, you know. I got to laugh when somebody says the modern game, like it's their game, quote unquote, now, since he's 30 years old. Well, this is the way baseball is, and this is the way it is played now. No, it's been played like that in the 60s and the 50s, well before he was thought of. But according to him, since he's here on this earth now, this is the modern game. Well, and I think that they're trying to hijack
1: the game with all of this nonsense that they would have put, you can't run into the catcher. Somebody put something today on Facebook, and they said uh, uh, simply put, I don't know what was in context, to They just put down Johnny Bench and Gary Carter didn't have a Buster Posey rule. And I thought that's so, you know, it, it hits such a point that they didn't have that kind of thing. People collided with them all the time and ran into them. So the, in a way, they are hij- They are changing the game, trying to hijack the game with all of these stupid stats, uh, these wars and whips and, and uh, chains and, and exit velocity. Let's uh, not forget the damn exit velocity.
0: And that phrase is creeping into interviews with GMs, and it sounds so silly. Um, You know, in their terms of hitting the ball hard, they're talking about exit velocities and trajectories and things like that. It's almost like you're you're talking a different language or flying a a rocket or something. (laughs) It's pretty humorous. And, and now, the latest thing too is the uppercut
1: in the swing a little bit to get the ball in the air. Sure, let's have more flyouts and pop ups. I yeah. mean, come on, the ideal way to hit a
0: ball is to hit a line drive. It's, it's amazing the way they're trying to make this game into a, a numbers game and, and categorize it in those terms. It's not going to happen. Bill Buckner, two words for people Bill Buckner. Well, I mean, it it always was
1: a a numbers game, but it's numbers that made sense. It didn't have all of these things and, and, you know, this exit velocity
0: thing, Um, (laughs) you know, I don't know. That's the perfect, perfect thing. Baseball is not a perfect sport. It's not something that you can correlate down to a number and say, all right, this guy's going to give you this. You're going to get this out of that. Look at the Cubs. They were the best team in the league last year. They're barely a 500 team this year. Why? Can they explain that? No, probably not. They're having a unlucky day. I've been hearing that a lot. Uh, un, they're unlucky. <laughs> of course. No, they're not playing well. How about that? Yeah, they're not
1: pitching well. They're starting pitching. Check your whip on the pictures of the war or whatever the heck it is.
0: <laughs> well, at least we didn't start out with our Patreon plea this week. <laughs> we sort of clubbed them over the head. I'm surprised nobody emailed me. And said he, he's off on the Patreon stuff. So. Just once for you guys that uh, didn't like it that much. <laughs> But, you know, if you are on the neighborhood surfing around. (laughs) We'll have it in a promo a little later. (laughs) If that wants to to partake in it. But, uh, yeah, it's first 10 days into June here, almost getting uh, to the point where the schools are out. Baseball is going to be enjoyed more by a lot more fans. A lot of great uh, weekend series this weekend. I think you said the Mets are – where are the Mets this weekend? Four in
1: Atlanta, double tomorrow, day-night, I believe it is. Uh, and uh, we're going to get two of our pitchers back, and we may get Ioannis Cespedes back tomorrow.
0: Very nice. Washington, and Nationals, uh, playing a home series, inviting Texas Rangers uh, to go play them. That should be a pretty good series. What else did I see playing? Uh, The Yankees hosting the Orioles. That's always good AL East action. And let's see what else we've got. Uh, Houston, the hottest team in baseball, is taking on the Angels. Not too bad there. And there was one other series that I noticed that was interesting that I thought I might want to tune into this weekend. Uh, Let me scroll through the listings here. Um, hmm. maybe it was one that I already mentioned, but uh, a lot of great series starting up. And uh, this is the time for great baseball.
1: It certainly is rich. And, uh, you know, speaking of that, we, we keep getting reports now on the all-star game and, uh, the voting is well underway now and you still have, I think till July 4th to vote. So get out. Get online, I should say. You can't get out and vote anymore because there's nowhere to vote but online and and get it. But I, I thought we, uh, if it's okay, we take a look at some of the uh, the leaders so far.
0: Sure, and this will be news to me. I haven't even checked. I, of course, the Phillies don't have too many people going lately, so I've been sort of tuning out of this news. <laughs> well. In uh, in the AL, we've got at catcher leading
1: is, and I don't have the numbers here in front of me, but I do have the players. Uh, Sal Perez of Kansas City, he's he's the leading catcher. Uh, first base is Miggy Cabrera. Uh, second base is Jose Altuve. He overtook Stalin Castro, who had the lead for a while, but uh, uh, Altuve now is uh, probably right where he belongs. Uh, Miguel Sanyo of Minnesota is leading at third in base.
0: The, the Warriors are thoroughly oh. dominating the Cavaliers.
1: There's Those pop-ups again that we always talk about.
0: Yeah, one of our websites we had open here. Uh, once again, just arbitrarily, they <laughs> it's just pop up. Uh, at shortstop, Francisco Lindor
1: of Cleveland. The DH is Nelson Cruz. And in the outfield is Aaron Judge who is now, I believe, the top vote-getter. He passed Trout. Uh, Mike Trout is still one of the top leaders, and uh, Brantley from uh, Cleveland also uh, leading in the outfield voting. But uh, Aaron Judge uh, moving up, I I guess uh, people just (laughs) like the story, young kid, um, Yankee, so i'm not going to be too complimentary course, with of him water filter there we go again sorry about that it's because every client deserves a refresher it's tough to do anything now rich we got to write this stuff down ahead of time i guess
0: yeah some of the websites nowadays just have these uh audio and video players and you know that that used to be very annoying for websites to have that we were talking (laughs) before the show and you're in a quiet environment and you go on a website and all of a sudden your speakers are are blaring you with sound it's not a good thing to do and did you ever have the situation where you can't find it right away oh yeah Plenty of times.
1: The thing is blaring at you. Your boss is standing there, and
0: you're trying to find out where the hell is this sound coming from. Yeah, not very good to uh, to sneak a look at work sometimes. But uh... <laughs> well, Let's quickly take a, a look at the
1: NL All-Star starters as of uh, a couple of days ago. Buster Posey was leading as the uh, catcher from the Giants, of course. Uh, first base, Ryan Zimmerman from the Washington Nationals. That's interesting. Uh, he does deserve it. He's having an awesome year. Um, but he's got, uh, you know, he's in competition with Anthony Rizzo and uh, Freddie Freeman. Though Freeman's on the DL right now. Uh, second base is another Washington National, Daniel Murphy, a former meth. Not going to say anything else. Uh Third base is Chris Bryant from the Chicago Cubs. Shortstop is Corey Seager. And in the outfield, the three top vote getters so far are Bryce Harper, Charlie Blackman of the Rockies, and Jason Hayward of the Cubs. I guess the Cubs are trying to uh, trying to uh, uh, you know uh, load the ballot box again, but uh, not as successful as they were last year when they had the whole infield with
0: Cubbies. Yeah, monopolize on all those picks. Certainly, but uh, so those are your uh, your starters
1: as of uh, uh, just a few days ago. The last reporting that came out. So, uh, and by the way, Bryce Harper is uh, lapping the field, as they say in this article in the National League voting. Uh, he got uh, uh, well above everybody else
0: very cool well I can't wait to see the all-star game always a, a great game to, to view um, this year it's held in Miami of course uh, they're having a nice fan fest down there and you can go on to the web at MLBcom forward slash all-star game slash fan fest and you can actually buy tickets uh, to that fan fest down there if you're maybe live in the area or you want to make a trip down there maybe can't get tickets because it's a hot ticket, but you can go to other things. There's the Fan Fest, there's a Futures All Star game down there that you could probably get into, uh, All Star Legends and Celebrity Softball game. Uh, so there's plenty of things to do uh, in addition to uh, the game, of course, if you're that lucky enough to get a ticket to go in. But it uh, looks like it's going to be a great time down near Miami this year.
1: I I am fascinated to know how the ticket sales are
0: for that game because, they, you
1: know, let's be honest, they don't draw well down there. And, and of course, uh, Miami in July uh, could leave a little bit. You know, a lot of people don't want to go in July. It's extremely hot, but um, it'll be interesting to see how they draw for that game.
0: Yeah, I would think it's going to be an instant sellout because you have uh, a lot of people within the Miami area. And then you have the teams that get tickets and people go down and uh, see the game uh, from the different teams and players. Uh, They do have a VIP ticket and hospitality package I just brought up here. Uh, You can actually get tickets for both Mondays Home run derby and Tuesday's 88th all star game. Now, here's a little bit on the prices Uh, the lower (laughs) seats $1,600 for that, the VIP ticket and hospitality package, which would include food and beverages uh, three hours prior to the game and then uh, ending. Around nine, the food and beverage, but uh four hours of premium open bar. So <laughs> Ah, well, now that's a different story. Sixteen hundred dollars, you better get get your fill there.
1: But <laughs> then you may not even remember the game, so,
0: <laughs> so if you got a, a ton of cash to spend and you know you want to go for that hospitality package, I'm sure you could probably find tickets a little cheaper than that, but uh for the well-heeled listeners out there, uh, go ahead and make that splash.
1: You got to check uh, StubHub
0: or something to see. Yeah, but the but the fun spot is the all-you-can-eat <laughs> <Yeah>. and <laughs> food and premium open bar. <laughs> I know a few people that could probably make a good use of that.
1: So <laughs> do I.
0: So it looks like it's going to be a great time for there. We're just about a month away from that. But, Gary, we're also talking a little bit about the draft. And I think maybe it's a good time to take a little break in the program. And maybe we'll come back after the other side of this break and talk a little bit about that Major League draft coming. Okay. We'd love to hear your comments. Please send your emails to talk at MLBThisWeek.com. You can reach Gary at at BaseballTalkRadio.com or me, Rich, Rich at BaseballTalkRadio.com. We'd love to hear your comments, so send them in. Subscribe to the Baseball Talk Radio Show on Stitcher Radio, iTunes, or Podomatic.com. This way, you'll never miss an episode. Gary, I think I'm going to go over to baseballtalkradio.com and listen to all the baseball talk shows there. Do you think I can cram it all in on a weekend? (laughs) No, I don't think so. It's going to take you quite some
1: time, but there's a little bit of everything there. Uh, Cover uh, most of the teams and uh, Japanese baseball, fantasy baseball, all there at baseballtalkradio.com, the home of great baseball talk shows and Go check it out. It's a great place. And uh, if you'd like to help us out a little bit, you can go to patreon.com, become a sponsor of the show. Help us out. Two bucks a month, a buck a month, anything you can give it all would be gratefully appreciated. And help us do the, more of this kind of thing, the video and and expand our capabilities and maybe some on-the-road surprises in the summertime. So. Uh, that's patreon.com slash baseball talk. Give whatever you can. we greatly appreciate it. And this is the time of the year. The spirit of giving is, is strong with everyone. So please go and uh, help us out. You're listening to baseballpodcast.net.
0: Wouldn't it be great if you could get a PhD in life through baseball? Welcome to Baseball PhD, a tour company for your brain, 30 major league teams, 100 places to see. Let's touch them all as we make the road trip of a lifetime. about the world of baseball and just before us now is the mlb draft and gary uh, it's going to be a nice uh, couple days here before the draft but uh, i think we're going to have some new millionaires to talk about right after it
1: yeah uh, uh monday june 12th is the draft and uh, i'm kind of looking forward to it to see what the mets do um I know it's not – I think we, we spoke about this. It's not like a foot the football or the NBA where you have a, a, a working knowledge. The average fan can have a working knowledge of some of the players because they see them in college or whatever. Um, this is a little different with baseball because they draw from so many facets, uh, high school, college, and there's just so many players are out there. So uh It's. I mean, there are people that follow it and and are quite knowledgeable in this stuff. But um, it is a guessing game, and it's probably one of the toughest sports to pick. You know, who's going to make it down the line? I mean, it's very difficult. You pick a high school kid. You never know if he's going to have the mental uh, strength to make it all the way to the majors. A lot of them do. Some of them don't, never mind the physical talents. It's also, you know, the mental capabilities and, uh, and strength, I should say, not really capabilities, but uh, it, it's an interesting thing and, and we'll be seeing and there's a couple of uh, highly touted guys that, you know, be interesting to see where they go. I think the, um, a lot of guys think that number one is going to be, uh, I think his name is Hunter Green. Uh a, uh, a pitcher and a shortstop, I believe, or an outfielder, and I saw a little bit of this guy, and he looked uh pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, high school kid, but um, yeah, it's 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 an interesting thing to see how your team plans as well, you know. Um, uh, for us, uh, the Mets, of course, last year the Mets picked. A, a lot of college kids and uh, a lot of them ended up in Brooklyn so it was kind of fascinating to see them actually you know, to, to see them in action right away uh, a couple of weeks after the draft playing in, in for the Brooklyn Cyclones and and I'm sure it's the same with you with the Phillies and seeing where these guys go and how they progress as they make their way up the chain
0: Yeah, and it's like your team, what do they need? That's what they're going to answer to. Um, not necessarily the best guy in a draft. What do they need at that point? The Mets right now loaded with pitching. I doubt that is the answer for them, but your number one pick is the Twins. Who will they pick? The Cincinnati Reds, who will they go with? The Padres and so on down the line. You know, What does your team need in a couple years, two, three years down the line, four years when this draftee could be ready to help your major league team. And that's what an important part of this draft is as well. And it's millions of dollars are at stake here. Each team gets several million dollars to put towards their drafted player. So uh, as we said before, they're going to need a financial advisor when they walk out of that Studio there, if they're in person there in Secaucus, New Jersey, when they do the draft.
1: Well, and we've said this before. Uh, it's usually just the top of the one, the draft that that really make the big money. That the guys in the later rounds don't get much. But um yeah, it's 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 fascinating and at the same time. You know, when you sit there in a ballpark and you realize that ninety percent of these guys that were drafted. This is it. This is as far as they're going to go. And their dream is going to end at, at single A or rookie league. But on the other hand, at least they got to play professional baseball for whatever amount of time that they make it, you know? Um, and it's really only uh, two or three guys that maybe uh, are going to make it. Out of out of a class, you know, and uh, so it, it it's a tough call, and and you know, I always think of the movie uh, Trouble with the Curve. But, uh, the uh, team that uh, Clint Eastwood was working for, I think it was the Atlanta Bla- Braves, they had the one guy that was using all the statistics and the computers. Never saw the guy play. It's, Look at these numbers. Look at his exit velocity and they drafted the guy, and he couldn't hit a curveball. And and, uh, they beat the bushes, Clint Eastwood and his daughter, and they they found this left-handed pitcher, or was he lefty or righty? Um, That was awesome. So I don't know. I I, I think scouting is still the way to go to to get these guys to see to get in the bushes and see these uh, small high schools in in, uh, nowhere USA and
0: you may uncover a gem. That's true. Just look at Mike Trout, and I I constantly remind myself, Mike Trout was 35 to 40 minutes outside of Philadelphia. He was well-known within the southern New Jersey community as being the best player available. Now, don't you think the Phillies would have an inkling to draft this guy? No, they
1: did And who did they pick that? Did they pick ahead of the Angels?
0: I'm not sure. Uh, I believe he was drafted in 2011, um, if memory serves me right. I could be wrong, but I'm not quite sure. I never did that research on who the Phillies actually took. Um, let me see if I can find it. It was the 2009 draft apparently let's see here pulling it up now on the internet here the miracle of the internet yeah the 2011 was the debut of Mike Trout he was drafted in 2009 so uh, I'm not quite sure who the Phillies picked let me see if I can find that real quick number one that year was uh Steven Strasburg went to the Nationals I do remember that there was a heck of a lot of uh Hoopla about that. Uh, Trout was number 25. So, yeah, I'm sure the Phillies had a pick before that. Let's see. Um, plenty of teams had the opportunity to pick them. Let's put it that way. And it looks like possibly the Phillies. The Phillies didn't have a pick. Did not pick. Uh, that was the time where they were on the top of the mountain. So. They might have traded their pick away. Right. They didn't get a high pick because in 2009, of course, they went to the World Series against the Yankees. So they were still riding high on the uh, arguably the best modern era, if you want to talk about modern era of the game. But one of the best times the Phillies have ever had, about a five, six-year stretch there from 07 roughly through uh, – 2009 to 2010, that sort of year. Um, but, yeah, they didn't have the pick, but I don't think they would have picked them, uh, to be honest with you. Look, you had Houston pass them up. You had the Twins pass them up. The Royals, the Rockies, the Nationals, they had two twice picks. Yeah, holy cow. And And the Angels
1: actually had a pick, a compensation pick ahead of him and didn't take him.
0: Yeah. And you know, it's it's like you say, those scouts that put in the time, but sometimes they're right under your nose. I mean, but you don't know, as you said, you know, here's a guy that played well in high school. Doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate and he's going to be a standout in the big leagues or the minors for that matter. Right.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, and then you get a guy like, uh, you know like a mike piazza that that uh, was picked i don't know what in those days they had a 64th round or something i mean some ridiculous round and he was picked as a favorite at tommy Lasorda, and and now he's in the hall of fame and and even a guy like keith and and i apologize for keep mentioning mets but that's you know uh that's what i know and uh You know, uh, I've told this story before, I guess. I I played with a guy that was drafted by the Cardinals against the guy, I should say, in the first round of the, I think, the 71 draft. I think it was, I want to say the eighth pick in the nation or something. And in that same draft was Keith DeNandez picked in the, I don't know, 30th round or something like that. And one made it, one didn't. So, um, it's a crap shoot.
0: Yeah, and I'm looking at that 2009 draft since you brought it up, and I'm looking at a, a Phillies pick that was an amazing pick in round nine, 287th overall. Aaron Altair was picked up by the Philadelphia Phillies out of uh, high school, and he today is a pretty good player for the Phillies, so I don't know if he's going to be I'm trout, but, uh, he's putting up some good numbers. I think he's got potential, uh, to be a very good player. And it looks like he
1: was, uh, Oh, he was in Arizona. He was, he born in Oh, German
0: America. Yeah. I think, uh, he's the son of maybe a military, uh, type mm-hmm. of family, but very good player ninth round. So you don't always have to be in the top. 10 the top 25 you can sneak in there it's just a matter of getting your call uh, getting your chance to get to the minors and show your stuff and you have skills you have um, you have a chance so that's the great thing about baseball you don't necessarily have to be the, the biggest the strongest the fastest but you know if you do certain things well you can carve a nice living out for yourself
1: well, you know, and, and you wonder sometimes, too, is if a guy that uh, is, is picked in a lower round, whether or not that uh, he'll try all that much harder because he's not getting the big money. You know, if you're picked in the first couple of rounds, you're getting at least a nice bonus for first round. Forget it. You get a beautiful bonus. Um, but uh, so, so maybe there's an incentive there to uh, beat some of these
0: kids out, you know absolutely always always incentive not necessarily monetarily but you know give yourself a chance Uh, and as you said the pen league the new york pen league starting up i'm just checking this for you here i know you're excited about it Uh, (laughs) Monday, june 19th looks like the uh opening day yes indeedy
1: and uh I'm not going opening day this year because it's during the middle of the week. Last year was on a Friday, so it worked out nice. And it was a good thing because it went to, uh, I think, 22 innings, the first game um, that I went to, the Cyclones and the Staten Island Yankees. And so it was a good thing it was on a a Friday
0: night. Yeah, so consider yourself lucky if you have a nice minor league ballpark around where you live and you can travel to it without too much – Stress for me—it's about an hour and a half drive, so it's not uh, very convenient. Maybe an hour if there's no traffic. The nearest uh, minor league team, but uh, and who would that be? That would probably be Lakewood, the Lakewood team for the uh, Phillies. Think right? So yeah, for me, or out in Trenton area in New Jersey. So. Uh, very interesting there those leagues starting up real soon a lot of fans of uh that league as well as double a AA and A. so plenty of baseball to uh to really care for and um, Gary it's been a great show it <laughs> certainly has rich and and
1: uh we'll be back again next week with more of the scintillating uh entertainment for you
0: <laughs> and i was just checking i didn't know if uh our father's day show will will be intact uh, i was going to wish all the father's day happy father's day a little early out there but um, our next show of course will be closer to that but we've had we have that to look forward to we have the draft we'll talk about that and how that went uh on our next podcast and i want to thank everybody for for hanging in there listening to our show uh, we had a lot of, uh, video viewers. We're up to 52 subscribers. So if you know, anybody and like to watch our show on YouTube, we actually put it out there for you. Not too many podcasts do that, Gary. We're, uh, extending our uh, reach out to the folks out there.
1: Yes. And, and, uh, I hope you watch us or just check in uh, briefly and don't forget to subscribe too. So you'll know when, uh, there's a new episode of uh, the baseball talk radio
0: show fresh and on the air. Absolutely. Well, you have a great week, Gary, and we'll talk next week. And like Gary said, hit that subscribe button. Give us a little feedback. If you like, we even got a new email address to make it easier. If you don't want to email rich or Gary, you can email podcast at baseballtalkradio.com. It'll go to, Both of us. So (laughs) check it out. And we love to do the show. And thanks for listening, everyone.